Okay. Thank you. Good day, everyone. I hope you are all well and you continue to be well. We are in the third parak in the 19th Mishnah. We're still continuing with the words of Rabbi Akiva. Now, this Mishnah and the next Mishnah are uh, a general view of uh, our world and our lives and its relationship to, uh, to the Creator and to heaven. So we always have a discussion whether or not everything is, uh, to use uh, the word that we use, is everything bashert or uh, does free will really have an important role to play? And there are extremes in this matter. Just as we see regarding people that we know, there are people who feel that everything is bashert, which to a certain extent is very comforting because it relieves us of responsibilities. It was fated to happen. There's nothing I could do about it. And on the other hand, there are people who say everything is free will and that uh, heaven doesn't interfere in our matters at all. I read an interesting article uh, in the Wall Street Journal when I was in America. My uh, son-in-law read it to me. Whether the coronavirus was bashert. Is God the one that has sent this virus? Or is this virus part of the natural creation that existed? And God, so to speak, has nothing to do with this special thing. Now, the Gemara says, and there are different, uh, very, very many different viewpoints of this in Chazal. There's no unanimity of opinion. So uh Chazal say uh everything is uh, in the hands of heaven except uh, whether one observes the Torah or not, whether one has fear and awe and respect of God, that's left us. Heaven doesn't interfere with that. Heaven doesn't force us to be believers or non believers. Then there's another uh, Maimur Chazal, uh, something that's written in the Talmud, that says, Everything is in the hands of heaven, meaning everything is bashert, except which loosely translated is uh, chills and fever, colds, respiratory diseases. Now, does the coronavirus fall under the category of its symptoms certainly seem to do so, though it has extreme effects, God forbid. 
But if it does, then heaven has nothing to do with it. It's part of the natural uh, creation of the universe that the Lord set in motion and continues to sustain. So these are basic questions. And uh, we see it in personal relationships. Uh, We all know the uh, famous uh, Medrash that 40 days before the child is born, they announce in heaven when the, uh, it's still an embryo, Bas Ploni Leploni, he's going to marry her. They're the fitting ones. So then that's Bashert. Well, uh, that, that raises issues to people. I remember I was once by uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, and a young man came in and spoke to him, and he said he was very uh, confused and bewildered because he is uh, interested in this girl. He wants to pursue it. But he said, how do I know that it's Pasher? And Rabbi Yaakov, with a twinkle in his eye, said to him, well, that's what they call love. So love makes it bashert. But uh, I would say the preponderance of thought in the Jewish world today is that we are great fans of bashert. And we... Uh, we trend to ascribe all uh, occurrences as to somehow being what heaven has willed for us. And if that's the case, then when there's very little we can do to change it. And as I mentioned, then there's very little responsibility. You know, it's interesting that Bahavdu. Uh, in the secular world, I mean, this was the idea of Marxism, that all of the forces are uh, set in motion, and it has to happen this way. And there's nothing that any individual can do against the forces of history and the forces of economy. But that's just the way it has to be. If you take uh, this deterministic view of things, so then you're pretty helpless in the world. Not a good thing about all of this is that very few of us think about it. Uh, We're not troubled by it. So we therefore think that it really is up to us, and therefore we apply ourselves as we can. So, and... uh, Torah circles, that was called hishtadlut. Everybody has to be mishtadel. Everybody has to try. In other words, Bashir kicks in only after hishtadlut. So sometimes you can be mishtadel a great deal and not be successful. And sometimes a little hishtadlut is sufficient to be successful to be successful. 
there's a great uh, Hasidic story about the Baal Shem Tov, that he wanted to raise money for a certain cause. So he went to the house of the rich man and he knocked on the door. And then he left. And he said, I did my hishtadlut. The guy was supposed to get it himself now. Well, maybe that happens with the Baal Shem Tov, but it doesn't happen with uh, us ordinary mortals. But the question is always here. And then we have a second problem. And that is that the Rambam raises it, all the Meforshim raise it. It's a problem in human logic. We say that the Lord is omniscient. Kaviochel Rabbonishalam knows everything. Now that he knows everything, it's there's no element of time. So there's no past, present, and future. So if he knows everything, he knows, so to speak, what I'm going to do 20 minutes from now, even though I don't know it. So that's one positive idea. Another idea is that it's all up to me, that I have complete freedom of choice. And if I have freedom of choice, how can I have freedom of choice if God knows what I'm going to do? I have to do what he wants to do, what he thinks I'm going to do, because that's the way it is. He's never wrong. So how do we square that circle? So the Rambam says uh, his famous idea that this is a question in logic, only in human logic, because of our uh, mental capacities to deal with these problems. So we have a logical impasse. But the Rabon Shalom does not have it because he does not operate with the same system, so to speak. He's not on the same platform. And therefore, uh, the Novi says, You can't understand me. No logical question. Both things are true at the same time. For humans, they cannot be. But for God, they can be. And this remains an idea throughout uh, uh, the uh, works of all the rabbinic scholars till our day. So here we have a Mishnah that addresses these problems. Doesn't necessarily solve them, but it addresses them. It makes us aware of them. In other words, if you're a thinking Jew, which I hope all of us are, so then there are things that we should think of, uh, great things, perplexing things. I mean, that's the challenge of life. The challenge of life is that it's not simple. And those who overemphasize the simplicity of things uh, many times do a great disservice because just as the world is complex and nature is complex, and we see how complex it is, 
so too uh, great ideas and relationship to heaven, a human bond to eternity has to have in it complexity. Has to have in it, so to speak, uh, logical impasses. And uh, Rabbi Akiva says, I called Sofui. Everything is foreseen. Now, the word Sofui, uh, I translated it as foreseen. In other words, heaven knows what we're going to do. But I called Sofui also means that it's expected. So, when the Mephorshim say here that it's possible, the nuance here is. Let's say uh, if you go on the road and you come uh, to a fork in the road. There are two ways to go. You know, the famous American philosopher Yogi Berra said that when you come to a fork in the road, take it. But which one will I take? Will I turn right or left? So akol sofui means that if I turn right, the result is foreseen where I'm going to end up. And if I turn left, the result is also foreseen. So therefore they say that akol sofui is not necessarily shared, so to speak. We don't have to deal with it in its ultimate sense that everything is foreseen and God knows what we're going to do. God knows that if we turn left, this is what's going to happen. If we turn right, this is what's going to happen. In other words, the choice is still left to me. But once I make the choice, so then, so to speak, the uh, forces that are unleashed don't, don't change. You turn right, so then that's where you're going to go. And it may take uh, a great deal of effort to get back if you turn wrong. And sometimes it's in such a way that you can never get back. And uh, in the American highway system, if you uh, get off at the wrong interchange, you can go for... uh, another hour, hour and a half before you can turn around and get back. And therefore, that's a cold sofui. Everything is known. Everything is foreseen, but it's not necessarily predetermined. What is predetermined is once the choice is made, this is what the result will be. And therefore, everyone has freedom of will. God has given us the ability to choose what we want. And uh, those are our choices. Now, this idea, uh, to a great extent, puts the responsibility for events and results back on human beings. 
Because otherwise we could always have a, a, a cop out. We always are able to say, you know, in, in grammar school, we used to tell the teacher, the devil made me do it. I didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, punch the guy, but the devil made me do it. Well, if the devil made me do it, it's not my fault. And we see that in society in a uh, more sophisticated, but nevertheless uh, analogous way. Somebody, God forbid, is a criminal, lives a criminal life. So the psychologists come along and they say, well, what made him a criminal? So we want to look at his home. We want to look at his background. What happened to the person in life? When you do that long enough and hard enough, he's not a criminal, you know, like he had to do it. What do you want? He had a bad teacher in fourth grade that destroyed his life. And uh, Jewish tradition was and is that we never accept that. So you had a bad teacher. So the school is not the best school. So you got tough breaks. Chazal say, One is not allowed to complain about what one happens in life, what God deals to us. Last week, uh, I think I mentioned it in the Parsha year. last week was the yard site of the Kloisenberger Rebbe, who built Laniato Hospital in uh, Netanya. It was a great tzaddik and a great goan. Really one of the remarkable, but there are 10, 15 people that rebuilt the Jewish world here in Israel and in America after the Shoah. I'm talking about the Torah world, the Jewish world generally, was rebuilt by Yechidim, by individuals. It wasn't rebuilt. I mean, the joint is a great organization, but the joint didn't rebuild the Jewish people. But Mesha Feinstein, Rabbi Salavechik, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, the Kloisenberger Rebbe, the Ponevizharov, they they rebuilt the Jewish people. So that's a, a way to look at it. So in any event, the Kloisenberger Rebbe, Rachman al-Islam, lost 11 children in the Shoah. When he came out, one cannot even describe, uh, begin to describe what a tragedy that is. I remember uh, Rabbi Mordechai Katz, a mutl, who was the Rosh Hashiva in Tells in Cleveland. And he also lost 10 children in the Shoah. And I remember Rabbi Paperman, Zichon Rocha, who was on the staff then at Tell, said that one day he came into the office and Rabbi Motl was sitting there and weeping. 
and Ramontel was made of steel if you knew him. And he asked him, what, what happened? And this is, must be uh, eight, ten years after the Shalah already. So he said, today my children died. He said, Rebbe, what do you mean today? He said, today I no longer remember all of the names. So today they're dead. So how do you deal with such tragedy? And how do you deal with the tragedy of the Jewish people over all the ages? So Chazal said, You can't argue the case. You just have to continue, which is much easier said than done. But to a great extent, all of us in life have had tragedies, God forbid. We all have to pick ourselves up and keep on going. And therefore, because of that, uh, freedom of will is the uh, cardinal principle in Jewish life, or shus nasuna. So a person can give up, crawl into bed and never go out again. That's, uh, Chazal always spoke about, uh, not about chemical depression, there's depression that's like an illness, but it talk about psychological depression. People talk themselves into it. There's a lot of depression today because of the coronavirus. So it takes a strength of uh, character and belief. Uh, okay, so now we're dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, I remember in the Second World War that there were Jewish families, neighbors of ours, that their sons were in the army and uh, the son got killed and the, uh, the War Department sent a telegram. That was the whole thing. And they went on with their lives. And I always wondered, how could they do that? That's shot for Rishus Nasuna. You are given the ability to do so. You're given the strength to do so. You have to employ it. And you have to believe that the world is judged in good that even though we see a world of evil and a world of disease and a world of discrimination, even though the world is not perfect, let's put it that way, the world contains an enormous amount of goodness. And the question is, how do you want to judge it? How do you want to look at it? The old uh, half uh, full, half empty glass Depends how you look at it. So, uh, for instance, the United States now, there's a, a movement amongst the young that everything in America, America is wrong, it should never have been, you know, tear it all down. 
What about the goodness that lies in America? What about the luxury? What about the lifestyle? What about the freedoms that you have? Well, no, none of that counts. The only thing that counts was that Jefferson owned slaves. Chazal said, You want to judge the world? Judge it for good. Judge it positively. Because we want God to judge us positively. We want that. That should be a, the way we are. The way we measure things, that's the way heaven measures things with us. So if we're willing to overlook the faults and concentrate on the good, so heaven also, uh, so to speak, we can get uh, somewhat of a pass. But if we want uh, perfection, or my ideology alone should determine things, so then heaven is more rigorous too. Oh, sorry, I'm skipped. You look at the majority of things, you know, we're accustomed in elections, you know, if you get the 53-47 is almost a landslide, even though 47% of the people Voted against you. We're accustomed to uh, majority rule. I remember that uh, my first uh, major position in Miami Beach. So there were uh, only uh, 40 families that were entitled to the vote. It was a very small congregation. And I was elected by the overwhelming count of 21 to 19. And I felt that was terrific. At the end, all 40, we were able to put it together. But uh, and Rovamase is not just a majority in these terms. It's a majority of behavior. What does the person do? Mostly, what is he? Or she? What is it? You do good things. So maybe there are a few things that one shouldn't do. But look at the majority. Look at the uh, great uh, amount of goodness that exists in society. And that we see in Avram Avinu and Zdom. 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. You give me 10 good people, it's enough. Well, you got 3 million bad people. But uh, my rabbi always taught me that stone was destroyed because it did not have 10 good people, not because it had 3 million bad people. So we have to look, and Rova Mas is also the results. And uh, we all know that uh, 
the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are so many policies, there are so many laws that are passed with good intentions, wonderful intentions, and they are destructive. The result is destruction. Rova Ma says, look at the result, see what happened. I'm not interested in what was the intent. There's an ongoing debate in the African-American society in the United States today, and that society is almost destroyed. 75% of the children are illegitimate, and they're raised in a house without the father, and they are dependent on the government welfare check, and they have to go to bad schools because they're forced to go to the neighborhood school by the teachers' union. Now, all of this was good intentions. We were going to give poor people money. We're going to, here's a poor woman who's deserted by her husband, who has no husband, so let's give her money. So what happened is that 75% of the women, the husbands just walked away, the fathers, because let the government pay them. And the school, uh, it's a wonderful neighborhood school, I can walk to it, but the neighborhood school is a destruction. So I want to go to another school across the city. I can't go. I'm not allowed. So that's Rova Masa. Look at the result. Don't just look at the intention. The United States, uh, I, I keep on using it as an example, but it's a good example. The United States has spent trillions of dollars since the 1960 on what they call the war on poverty. Hundreds of bills were passed in Congress. Tens and tens of programs. An enormous bureaucracy was great, and nothing happened. The people were better off before you started than they are now. But what is it? It's because it was good intentions. We wanted to help the underdog. And it's according, Rova Ma said, it's according to results. It's not according to intentions. So everything has to be judged by the result. Is the result good? And we see a persistence of this in our society here as well that we want the government to support everything. So that's wonderful intentions, but look at the result. You've created an underclass of the Haredim, you've created an underclass of parts of the Sephardic community, you've created an underclass of the Ethiopians. So I called the Firova Masa. Let's see the result. You know, I give you a great thank you for your intention, for the goodness that you wanted to bring about here. But uh, what is the result? What happens here? And Rabbi Akiva is quick to point all of this out. And therefore, Chazal say, Rabbi Akiva says, Shot Nevela Bishuka. Take the most unworthy job in the world. 
to uh, flay the hide of a dead carcass in the street, in the marketplace, so everyone can see it and you'll be ashamed, still better than to take that somehow you should be supported. Now that runs counter completely to our concepts. Runs counter completely to the way we think about things. But Rabbi Kiva is talking about results. What are the results? And uh, that's what he said before that uh, a person has to uh, have freedom of will and to employ it positively in order to gain a result. You have to do it. So there was a, again, uh, The, uh, the tendency for poverty amongst the underclass is to repeat itself and generally it becomes generational. It's almost unbroken. I've had in my Zibor Hashem, I'm an old man, thank God. So I've had like three generations of the same family come and ask me for support. Three generations. The Zayda, the father, not a son comes. That's their inheritance. I remember there was a Dintora here once. Uh, the father died, there were two sons. And the only asset that the father left over was a list of names in America that he collected money from. And they had a Dintora about the list. Who was going to get it? I don't believe that that is what Chazal had in mind for us. And because of that, that's why the words of Rabbi Akiva are so important. Because he addresses all of these complex issues. Now, I'm not saying that I'm right on any of them. I... uh, I have a book launch this week on the book of opinions that I wrote. So it's opinions. It's not, uh, it's not, necess- <laughs> not necessarily conclusions. I remember I once had a Revy and uh, he gave uh, an answer to a difficult question in the Talmud. And then someone, uh, said, Rebbe, but that can't be because this and this and this, he refuted it. Said, Rebbe said, you're right. But I liked what I had to say anyway. Yeah, so that's opinions. I like my opinions. But my opinions are the basis of discussion. They are not... uh, hard and fast, concrete rules. They're meant to stimulate that conversation, that thought. And all of all those is to stimulate the complexity of life. 
not to think that things are simple. And that's why this short Mishnah, in my opinion, contains so much greatness and material for life because of the fact that, so to speak, it's disturbing. It's provocative. It charges us with the responsibility that we deal with the complexities of life and deal with them happily and be able to advance by so doing. So I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, Thursday, even though it's a tonus, tonus Shivasa Batamus, Thursday we will, God willing, still have our Parshish here on Parshish Pinchas. Stay well, everyone. We'll hear good news from each other. Thank you.